Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. And Coach Jim Playfair. And, uh, you know, obviously coming out of the first with the, with the first goal being scored against us again, that puts you behind the eight ball and now you're chasing a little bit. And I think we've done that, as we all know, too often lately. And it starts putting the pressure in your mind, I think, to start uh, pushing the envelope a little bit, putting some chances, pushing some chances. And, and uh, then we get behind. And, and uh, I thought in the third period, we didn't manage the puck the way we were managing the puck in the first two periods, and we kind of ended up scrambling around a little bit and trying to hope to score a goal. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, we know where we are, and we have, you know, the solution is to work our way out of it. So whether we miss open nets or we miss assignments, the frustration levels can't continue to creep into our game. We've got to find a way to push through that and, and continue to create more scoring chance. Colton just mentioned how... Guys will play long stretches, they'll play them, and then boom, it's a grade-A chance. It's not like you give up Bs or Cs, it's grade-A chances, and they end up in the back of your net. And That was a, even when you were winning nine, early in the year, that was the same problem. Why is that? What are you seeing that's constantly allowing the grade-A chances to come out against? Yeah, I think they're obviously, you know, an overall breakdown. I think by the time it gets to a grade-A, there's probably been two or three uh, mistakes made prior to get into there. So, uh, you know, I think it's something we address, we look at, we continue to explore, and and you know, obviously, your mindset is to is to continue to create more great A's than you give up. And I think in the last little while, we've actually done a decent job creating some great A's ourselves. And and you know, we're going to continue as the league moves along, the season moves along, league gets tighter, and we gotta we gotta find a way to to match that growth in the game. Jim, it wasn't so long ago you guys, I think you had the best points percentage in the National Hockey League. It's been a really dramatic, really quick swing here. Uh, I just wonder what your sense is in the group, you know, to go from flying high the way you guys were for a big part of the season to dealing with all of this sudden frustration. Yeah, I think, well, it, it's, you know, it's pretty evident our special teams carried us through a lot of situations that, that, that crept into our game and our 5-on-5 five five play. And, and now the special teams are off and our five-on-five five isn't sustaining ourselves throughout the 60 minutes. So we obviously have to get back. The work we have to put in is, is in continuing to develop our 5-on-5 play, continue to um, try to push the game and not get frustrated when things don't go our way. I think that's going to become the, uh, the best part that comes out of this situation we're going through right now is we're going to improve areas that we have to improve to be good as we move along, and I, and I think that the, uh, you know, obviously the, the great A's are a big part of it, the, the frustration, pushing through the frustration, and recognizing that, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's about finding ways to win games. I mean, we talk about playing well, we talk about, you know, having good stretches and having some great A's, but ultimately it's, it's we got to find two points. Um, a tough situation today with McLeod this morning and, and Tippett, later in the day, uh, and we hope those guys are doing okay, but just maybe take us through how, how it went tonight, and I'm not sure if this will be something that has to continue moving forward, but uh, obviously not ideal when the head coach isn't around. Yeah, and I thought the players responded very well. We had our meetings were all set up this morning, and Tip, we found out about a couple of tests, and, and he got uh, two negative tests. He had one later on in the afternoon, and all three of them were... Um, we're not good, so uh, it's it, you know it's easier, I think, for the team to recognize that the gully takes over the forwards and runs the forwards. I continue with the defense, and and uh, it's about the least amount of disruption for the group, obviously. So um, we'll figure out a way to 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 get, keep the momentum uh, going within the coaching staff, and and obviously we'll be in touch with Tip daily, and and uh, we'll work together, you know, as, as much as he can, and you know we reach out back and forth, but. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's uh, not ideal for sure, but uh, we have a responsibility again to find a way to get. To so, are you saying Tip has COVID and is out? 
I'm not the doctor, but he didn't show up for work tonight. So, yeah, I, he, he's tested positive for, for COVID, so he's in the protocol. Okay. Um, you coached the defense, but Yamamoto's not even around the puck. He has not had a shot in six games. What are you seeing as the associate coach? Well, it's certainly, you know, we, we expected uh, more from Yamo. I think when we, when we all reflect back and remember when Yamo came here, he was a competitive player. He was hard on pucks. He had second, third efforts. He was um, pushing the pace of the game. And I don't think uh, we're seeing that as consistently as we have in the past. So I, I think for Yamo, it's more about, um, you know, I, I know he, you know, he's, he's, he's worked lots on his shot this summer. I think it's about now putting himself in more consistent positions to use his shot. To hunt down more pucks and and uh, and you know there's a handful of guys that we need to to uh, to continue to to push to get the tempo of their game pushed up and our game pushed up but certainly Yamo um, has more to give and we got to find that. Hi, um, you you guys are you're, you're around all these games. You you still have a little bit of room uh, in the standings to to play with because of the good start. But at the same time, is there a breaking point that that you're approaching here where something has to change before something has to give? Well, I think we you know we we went through a situation a stretch where we had a lot of really good solid players out of our lineup and now they're slowly coming back in i mean cc's back in now we got you know uh um duncan's back in i think mike smith will be here to play real soon and i think when we get ourselves organized health wise again it's going to be um a boost but there's no easy solutions there's no there's it's about working our way out of it it's about digging in and it's about playing harder to play against in all three zones it's about managing the puck better it's about handling the adversity of it it's about our better starts it's all of above but it's about the consistency of being prepared to do it uh, jim um the uh are, are your defensemen are they backing in too often sometimes on the shooter or they coach that way or are they just back it in too often no it's something we've been addressing again it ties in a little bit to the players that have been coming filling in for us and i think that there's a confidence level that has to be um in defensemen to want to stay up and have the courage to stay up and trust your skating and put yourself in a position to be aggressive at the offensive blue line and it really sets up there and and yeah we think there's an issue where our group does have to get up and stay up and be confident to be up and then it ties into you know a good forward positioning to be able to track back and, and help them so um yeah i i think i think sometimes the confidence level and some of the younger players specifically is is it's easier to back up and play safe and 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 that's that's an area where we've definitely addressed and we have to continue to address it and stay more um ag aggressive to defend up the ice further away from our net what did you think of keith coming back in for the first time in a few it's a Nice to see a really good NHL player out there playing with pace, playing with urgency. I thought he moved the puck well. I thought he, his energy and, and uh, um, leadership on the bench was excellent tonight. I think it's infectious, and uh, I, I thought he was good. And I know that today's game is very different in how it's played, but you've lost six in a row, five in a row at home. You're kind of getting blown out in the third period, and there wasn't even a scrum or anything. Does you need to see some more emotion from your team, from frustration? Like, is that the time to let it out? Yeah, I think that's obviously the. I think for a long time that's the way the game was was uh, was played. You know, later on in the games like that, but um, I still think it boils down to get frustrated or get determined to battle and compete and fight earlier in the game. Start that way. Don't wait to the last five minutes and, and, and make a stand physically or make a stand emotionally. Get invested early and it'll carry on. You don't have to, to battle late. You might as well battle early and be ready to go. And I think that's part of where we have to get to. Uh, Jim, I'm just curious, uh, just in the back, Jim, over here. Sorry. Yeah. I'm just curious, did you, did you have any communication with, with Dave Tippett throughout the course of the game, like in the admission? Or? Yeah, we just yeah. talked to Tip before the game, and obviously we will meet tomorrow morning and communicate with him, but it's, you know, 
Hey, we're all veteran coaches. We've all, you know, been in these positions at some point in time in our careers, and I think that Tip has a, resp has a respect with our group to, to support us and, and let us do the best job we think we can do, and then we'll evaluate it and make adjustments and changes and, and carry on tomorrow. We'll definitely talk in the morning and, and go over the whole game and, and see what we see what we can uh, improve. So just to clarify, like not during the intermission? No. And I'm just curious, uh, Dave was asked about this the other day, and I, I'm just, I wonder if anything's changed or you maybe have a different answer in terms of like how much you're, you're trying to kind of continue to be positive with the players versus really push and, and, and kind of crack the whip, so to speak. Where's the, have you, do you know, can you kind of assess where the, where the line is, in, especially during a six game losing streak? Well, it's a long season and uh, we weren't jumping up and down and cheering when we had a good run at the start, we were trying to find areas of a game to improve. We we're trying to find details to improve upon. We were obviously pleased with the way we were going, but there's a process to it. And I think now that things aren't going our way, it's probably not the time to start bringing out a, a hammer and pounding on them. I think we need to stick together and work our way through it. And I think the yelling and screaming um, probably isn't going to move the needle to where we want to get to. There's really simple structured details where we got to improve upon and and th through videotape, through practice, through meetings, we're going to get there. It's just it's just a matter of, of working through it. All right, that's Edmonton Oilers associate coach Jim Playfair as the Oilers are beaten 5-1 by the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight at Rogers Place. And you heard the update there that Dave Tippett has gone into COVID protocol, so we may not see him behind the bench until after Christmas. The Oilers have lost six straight. The offense is completely dried up. They have scored only nine goals over those six games. It was Colton Sevier with the goal tonight. His first as a member of the Oilers. His first since April 11th. Austin Matthews scored twice for Toronto. The Oilers record falls to 16 and 11 and the Leafs go to 28 and 2. They are 9-0 and 1 in Rogers Place in their last four visits to Edmonton. They've outscored the Oilers 18-2. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, 9.58. We're in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins for Heartland Ford uh, Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, it's uh, an incredibly tough stretch here for Edmonton as, uh, you know, at one point they were sitting there with the best points percentage in the league, and, and now they're a wildcard team. Still a long way to go before the playoffs, but a lot not working a lot not working I, i'm going to start with a, some chances tonight i mean in any game pretty much any game there, there's always a window there's always a window for even the team that loses where you look back and, and you say well what if well the others haven't scored first in forever leon drysettle has an open net and he misses leafs get out of the first period with a one nothing lead and then the first Nine minutes of the second period was all Edmonton, and the Leafs outscored them one nothing. So windows of opportunity for Edmonton slip away. The Leafs capitalize, and they pretty much rolled from there. Yeah, uh, it's tough. I mean, I don't know if anyone. I mean, someone would have made a lot of money if they would have bet Leon missing an open net from that spot. We've seen where he's capable of scoring from. Uh, it's just a team right now that has a lot of bad luck, a lot of bad puck luck, and it's affecting their game. And it's compounded by mistakes where the other team capitalize on. The other team's getting better goaltending. At the beginning of the season, a lot of things were masked by a great specialty teams by the Oilers. Five and five, they were not a good team. But they were uh, on a incredible record-setting pace on their power play and the penalty killing was top three and because of those things that it really hit a lot of the the underlying problems for this team well what we're seeing right now when your power play starts to struggle a bit and your penalty killing isn't you know top two or three now the five on five really starts to show and the Oilers aren't aren't getting enough high quality chances in and around the net they're getting shots are getting some perimeter shots but what we saw tonight in the national hockey league goaltenders are really good and if they can see the puck most times they're going to stop it and over the last number of games here on home ice the others have run into goaltenders that have just had it which seems like out of their head type of games against the others but if you start looking i, I watched a lot of the highlights they, they put it on sports and I'm, I'm guessing craig mctavish talked about this but we couldn't hear him but they showed all these chances that the others had and every one of the chances you saw 
There was no one on Edmonton Oilers in front of the net. Campbell Watt saw everything. There were some great grade-A scoring chances, but Campbell saw them. In the two Toronto Maple Leaf goals that started the, uh, the game for, for them, the one, Tavares out-battles, three Oilers in front of the net, right in front of the net, and it goes back door, and there's Matthews standing, wide open net. The goal by Simmons in front of the net. He just drove the net. He had no idea if the puck was going to come there or not, but he drove the net, comes into his feet, and again, he's got Koskinen prone, and he walks around him. The Oilers don't get enough of those opportunities. They get a lot of great shots. They get things from the outside, but teams nowadays are playing the Oilers where they're not trading chances. They're not going to give them three-on-twos or two-on-ones. They're not going to pinch in. They're playing a much more prevent-defense type of hockey against them, so the Oilers now going to manufacture some ugly goals. And tonight, the Sevier goal is the first ugly goal we've seen the Oilers score in a while. And it was simple. Cassian and Sevier just went to the net. And a puck bounced in the right place that they put the puck in the net. The Oilers need more of that. Well, and I, I think goaltending is a story here for yep. Edmonton. Now, Mike Smith could be back very soon, maybe even Thursday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Miko Koskinen, I think we're seeing signs of him maybe tiring a little bit yep. now. N- now, look, obviously nine goals in the last six games you're asking a lot yeah <laughs> i mean you're asking your goalie to never give up more than one basically no this isn't just on uh, goaltending but, but, but i mean he hasn't made um as many big saves. he has made some big saves he hasn't made as many big saves or he's let one in where you're kind of wincing a little bit and saying oh man you know you needed a stop there to keep your team in it well there what we saw tonight is Campbell made some big saves at big moments, ones where you expected that the Oilers were going to score on that opportunity. We saw that in the last number of games where the opposition's goaltender, Freddie Anderson, the other night, were up here, oh, that's oh, and he made a save. The Oilers aren't getting that oh moment from their goaltender. And a, a great example tonight was the Riley goal. The Oilers finally get a little bit of momentum, finally get the crowd back in when Sevier scores to make it 3-1. And I think it was the next shift. It wasn't much long after where all of a sudden Riley finds himself wide open. Again, there was multiple Oilers that made mistakes on that play. Uh, Connor chased behind the net. No one picked up Riley coming in. And all of a sudden wide open. But that's where the Oilers need one of those saves that they weren't expecting. Because the Oilers right now aren't scoring enough to be able to come back if they start falling behind. And they're not getting the big saves at the right moments. But this, is, this isn't just a goalie thing. This is... Five on five, power play, penalty killing, goaltending. I mean, up and down the lineup, there are problems with this team right now. And having said, with all the problems outside of tonight, which was a bit of a blow it turned into, the Oilers have been competitive in all these hockey games. They just got to start finding, th- doing things the right way again. And I think that goes back to getting back to basics. Leafs win at 5-1. Oilers' power play is 0 for 2. It's now 2 for 16 on the homestand. The uh, Leafs' power play 1 for 3 tonight. Austin Matthews got that power play goal late in the first period for the first goal of the game. And we continue to track that, of course. The Oilers have allowed the first goal against 15. 15 of their last 18 games. And uh, what are we at now? This was game 27, so it's exactly two-thirds. The Oilers have scored first nine times. They've allowed the first goal 18 times. In all honesty, it's shocking that they're in a playoff spot with that kind of stat. That's a good point. Utterly shocking. But all those games early where they, they got off to poor starts and they eventually came back, their power play would win them a hockey game. It's starting to even out right now. Or they'd get the second goal of the game at least. Yes. I mean, it, this is another game. I was talking before the game how every... The first four games of the homestand, they, they trailed 2 nothing, but then we're down 2-1 after 2. Well, this was, was 3 nothing after 2. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable the, the, how things are seeming to go against them, but some of them are self-inflicted. Now, having said that, the Leafs made a lot of big mistakes as well tonight. Uh, we saw the dry settle miss the wide open net. That was on a, a Leaf blunder where they passed it out in front of their own net. The difference is... The Oilers haven't executed when the other teams made big blunders. And the opposition's goaltender have come up with big saves. And the Oilers haven't got the same kind of big save for themselves. All right, so 5-1, the Leafs take it tonight. That means a $100 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They give $100 every time the Oilers score. And the total for the season to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous now up to 
$9,100, thanks to James H. Brown and Associates. Okay, more post-game reaction, and you can chime in as well. 780-496-0063, the hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Out of camp, has it on the right wing. Pass behind the net to Bakayev, takes it over to the left. Got Bouchard on him. Bouchard oh. gets a puck loose, goes to Seedy, hit shot, and a great glove save made by Koskinen. That is Miko Koskinen, save the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Koskinen, 20 stops tonight. He takes the loss. His record now down to 12-6. and six. Jack Campbell, outstanding for Toronto. 35 saves as the Maple Leafs win it 5-1 here at Rogers Place. So a six-game losing streak for the Oilers. That last happened right around this time of year. It was December 16th to 31st, 2018. And it was actually a similar sequence. The Oilers lost a game on the road and then lost five consecutive home games. The difference was then they went on the road and won 3-1 on January 2nd, 2019 against Arizona. Here the Oilers will try to snap the uh, losing streak on home ice Thursday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's on 6.30, Chad, 5.30 for the face-off show. Game at 7. Columbus in action right now. 14 and a half minutes left in Vancouver. They lead it 3-2. We'll give you the full Edmonton Trailer scoreboard in a few minutes. 7804960063 Braden is standing by. Hey Braden, We're go ahead. Fine. Let him go. You. Braden, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead, man. Hey, I just kind of wanted to ask you guys about Nuge. I just kind of feel uh he's kind of been getting a bit of a free ride. I want to know if you guys think he's been held accountable by the Oilers or if he needs to change his game at all to kind of help turn this thing around. Well, by held accountable, you mean you want him benched? No, I don't want him benched. I just kind of want to see him produce a bit more. I don't know if that means switching up the lines or changing how you how you uh, deploy him in the attack, but I just kind of want to see him produce more for especially what the Oilers just signed him for. I don't know if you guys kind of agree or disagree. Well, I, I think the Oilers would love to see him produce more as well. I, I think uh, he's become a very good specialty, specialty teams player. He's very good on the power play. Uh, he's a good penalty killer. Five on five, the production hasn't been there. And this is not just this year. It's been the last couple. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got three goals on the season. Uh, they'd love to see more out of him. Now, the problem for the Oilers right now, this is not a team that can start throwing guys from their third and fourth line up into the top six and, and get production. Uh, they need they need him to be better. And he's he's played with Connor. He's played with Leon. He's uh, played with on a line with Hyman. They've tried a bunch of different ways to get better five-on-five play and better five-on-five production, not only out of R&H, but uh, Yamamoto and, and, and players uh, like that. And it hasn't been there. When the Oilers started the season as great as they were at the beginning of the year, they still struggled five-on-five. Their power play was well, it was unworldly. And it covered up a lot of the issues. So I agree. They need more out of their top six players, five on five, including RNH and Yamamoto. Well, yeah. And I mean, uh, Yamamoto didn't get a shot on goal tonight. That would, uh, six games in a row for that's him. That's shocking. I mean, he's playing with the NHL's leading scorer. And he's got six points on the season. And he hasn't had a shot in six games. Uh, and the one thing that we talk about is the Oilers got to get in and around the net they got to play dirty and for Yamamoto I don't see Yamamoto being a player that can score from range he's the, he, he doesn't have a shot that he's going to be able to beat a goalie from 25 feet out uh, he has to get into the dirty areas and he along with a number of other players on the others uh, up front have to do a better job of getting into that area but for if you're a goal scorer or you're an offensive player and you're playing with the NHL's leading score you've got to create 
more. And uh, Yamamoto hasn't done that. And no shots in six games. That Honestly, that's not good enough. I can tell you that the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs now have the number one power play in the NHL after going one for three tonight. They're 31.8%. By going 0 for 2, the Oilers dip to 29.8%. The power play update for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with locations in St. Paul, Westlock, and Vegreville. Check out Extreme with an X, powerproducts.com. 5-1, the uh, Leafs take it tonight. Uh, Matthews in the first period, Simmons and Brody in the second period. Sevier got one for the Oilers in the third. A little bit of life, but just a minute seven later, Riley scores, and then Matthews got a late one from the uh, high slot, powered it past uh, Miko Koskinen to round out the scoring. So that is the tale for the Oilers tonight. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Jim standing by. Hello, Jim. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good, man. Good. Enjoy your analysis. Uh, just a quick thought. Well, I don't want to be too critical, but, uh, you know, players are giving their all. Just wish uh, Dave Tippett maybe be a little bit more robust in his thinking. You know, things aren't necessarily working. You know, for example, two for 60 in the power play. Well, you know, if they're cutting off the, the seam pass, well, why not slide um, Mary to the you know, I'm not criticizing Nuge, but just to try something different on the left half board, try Barry there and then maybe Bouchard on top, like just kind of change it up. Yeah. I, I, I understand just... what you're saying. I, I do. The, the thing, the problem is the Oilers up until tonight were still the best power play in the league, and this is three years in a row they've had the best power play with the setup that they've had. Um, the Oilers do move around more than probably any power play you'll see and uh, the, the three forwards are interchangeable uh, I don't uh, I don't see them pulling Nugent Hopkins off and going with two defensemen I, I just don't uh, do you see Barry going on I mean or nurse even well, Nurse and Barry do flip-flop occasionally. So yes. you, you have seen, there's been games where the first power play will be Barry, then the next two will be Nurse. So that does happen. Um, I just think right now that teams are really taking away the cross-seam pass, the, 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 the one side to the other. They're, they're saying shoot from the outside. Uh, the, there have been games where the Oilers power play hasn't scored where they've actually created a bunch of chances. They didn't get anything. So I... I I think that it's, they're going to let the power play unit stay the same as it is and work their way through it. This is still the same power play that is over 30% on the season. They've run into a dry patch. The Toronto Maple Leafs had a dry patch at the beginning of the season with their power play, but now they've started to pick it up, and they're hot right now. The oldest power play will get better, and it will start scoring again. And I honestly, I don't see them changing something that's been that successful in the past and going into a different type of setup with two two defensemen out there. Well, uh, you, you made a good point uh, when they got the two goals against Boston. They still find a w- found a way to get Lee on the one-timer, but it was a pass from the top as opposed mm-hmm. to through the seam. Oh, and that's what teams are giving them. And, I mean, on that one right there, the, when Leon scores from two feet off of the goal line, the, the defending team, uh, when they go and watch video, they're thinking to themselves, okay, we did everything right. Like, we put him exactly where we want him to be. Like, he shouldn't be able to score from there. Uh, but he's got the ability to do that. Uh, they just got to create things different ways and put pucks on it. To me, I just think a lot of the time they don't shoot enough. Well, I, I felt that tonight. I mean, just put it in the crease well, somewhere. Hey, I mean, I'm, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Every power play really begins after the first shot. And you've got Bouchard, or sorry, you've got Barry at the back end. He doesn't have Bouchard's shot, but Barry does have a heavy shot from the back end. I would, and I know, and I've done this, I've been, my whole life was on power plays. I played for Hitch, and we had really successful power plays, but at times when we went sour, it'd be the same thing. One pass to the point and put it on net. That's how every power play starts. And if you do that, the defending team has to respect it. If they respect it, they'll move out. When they move out, that opens the cross seam. If they don't, just pass it back to Barry. Let them take a one-timer. Pass it back. Let them take a wonder. Some of them will get blocked, but every time a puck gets blocked, it hurts. And subconsciously, sometimes, maybe, 
you just aren't quite in that shooting lane again or, or you're out of the shooting lane because you're going back and forth and you're blocking shots so to me just shoot more uh, the, I think you uh, there's the ugly goals are going to go in but only going to go in when you put pucks on net and as I say this the Vancouver Canucks just score a goal and they've come all the way back from down 3-1 and they're 3-3 in the third period against the Oilers' next opponent, the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the power play approach, our adjustment of the game for pro drain checks for peace of mind down the line. Oilers lose 5-1 to the Maple Leafs. Edmonton's record now 16-11 and on the season. We'll go back to the certainty headline, we'll wel- or uh, hotline, pardon me. We'll welcome Ed to the show. Hello, Ed. Hello, how are you? Not bad. Excellent. I was just wondering, like, how many times does that puck go in front of the net and nobody's in the greasy areas? Like, what's going on? Like, why yeah, don't they want to go in those areas anymore? Yeah, a lot. You're, you're absolutely right. I, there was a, I watched a highlight package tonight, and it was on in between periods where we were doing the radio, but it was on the TV, and it showed a number of Oiler chances, and Campbell, Campbell made big saves on them, or good saves on them, but every one of the, the, the shots were of... Uh, there was no oiler around the net. There was no oiler for a tip, no oiler for a rebound, no oiler for a screen. Campbell's good. He's a very good goaltender. And if he can see it, he's going to stop it. So, yes, I think that the Oilers, the beginning of the season, especially the third and fourth lines, there would be scrums after every play because there would be three, four guys in the crease on top of each other. The Oilers aren't doing that enough. And whenever you get into a bit of a, a funk offensively, coaches will tell you the same thing drive the net, put pucks on net, shoot more, get guys in front for rebounds. And if you know as a, a line that when so-and-so, when Cassian gets a puck, he's putting it on net, the two other players are already driving the net. So now you've already got a crowd. And I think the one thing the others got to do is they got to get a little little uglier in, in and around the crease because right now from the perimeter it's not working. But I also think that begs the question, is it a mindset or is it a lack of ability to get to the net? Because, I, I, you know, I realize, okay, be determined, know that your line mate is going to put it there and all that kind of stuff, but it still takes speed, strength, positioning, all that kind of stuff to, to be in that spot. Well, for the majority of the Oilers, it's, it's not an issue. I mean, anyone can stand in front of the net. I stood in front of the net, and I'm not very strong. I mean, there's, there's a willingness. I th- that's a big thing. You have to be willing to take a beating. Having said that, the NHL is different now. You don't get beat up when you stand in front of the net. Uh, I, I just think, it, to me, it's a mindset. Go to the net. You know you're going to hang out in front of the net. I think there's the Oilers have players that uh, like like playing on the outside. Unfortunately, outside of McDavid and and Drysaddle, the rest of the players got to be a little bit closer to score goals. Um, if I was if I was coach for a day, I would take a video package of Zach Hyman, and I would take 25 different times that he drove to the net, and I would watch that, put it on a reel, going in the dressing room over and over and over again, and show you, okay, this is what we need, this is what we can do, and everyone's capable of doing it. Sometimes you're going to get pushed out, but at least fight, battle to get there, because what we saw tonight, it was a clean sheet in front of Campbell. He was seeing the pucks. And when you're a team that's struggling to score and the Oilers are struggling to score, get ugly. Leafs take it 5-1. I want to update set the line for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it. I set the line before the game at 1.5. Total goals by Oilers forwards not named McDavid and Dreisaitl. It was under. I went over. Sevier did get the goal. I went over. But it's uh, it's under, so Jasmine gets the fifty dollar River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. See, I thought Sevier played well tonight. He uh, he's he's can say again he's one of those guys that his bar might not be as high as others, but he gives you that honest effort every single game. And tonight with uh, he got a little bit more ice time it seemed at times, and he made the best of it when he got out there. Well, yeah, I think that line was playing a little bit more in, in the straight lines like you were yep. you were talking about, but. Uh, they did finally finish a chance in the in the third period, but yeah, overall, um, you know, not quite enough. Campbell made a lot of good saves along the way. When there was a rebound lying around, there wasn't an Oiler there usually to capitalize, and away you go. Toronto pulls away to win at 5-1. Is it Brian up next, Kellen? Okay, we got Brian on the hotline. Brian, thanks for calling, man. Go ahead. 
Hey, I uh, just uh, wanted to uh, ask you guys something or, or let you know something that, uh, you know, uh, they got to get down and dirty. They got to get gritty. I know that McDavid's capable. I can see the frustration in dry sidle. It obviously showed open eyed net misses. You know, that's the, I think a lot of you said uh, either skill or mindset. I believe is mindset. Uh, you know, what? when you're when you're down, down. Even sales are the same way. You know, you're down, you're down. You got to get built back up, or you need the hype. And I think the boys just need to come together, realize that. Listen, we're on a little bit of a slump, but we got to get it back together. And you know what? It's there's no I in team. It's it's a team effort. Yeah, and that's the thing right now. It's it's top to bottom. Um, and, and another question too: Do you guys think that they should make the league? Maybe should maybe look at making that net just a slight little bit bigger. Look at how oh, big our well, goalies are now. I didn't. I didn't think we'd be. Well, you're asking the question, which means I, I found when a caller calls in with a good question like that, they've probably been thinking about it. So I'm guessing you've been thinking about it. What oh. what, what would you do? You know what? The, 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 obviously, the goalies are gotten really big. Like we're talking six foot three, six foot four, six five five goaltenders. Back when the Warriors were winning Stanley Cups with Grant Fear, the likes of Grant Fear, Andy Moog, those those goalies weren't even six feet. Like, no, and, and right. the Nets are still the same size, hey, right? I, so I'm an offensive player. I would have loved for the Nets <laughs> to have been bigger. Yes, absolutely. But having I'm not said talking that, a great. It's not going to happen. Not, I'm not talking a great deal bigger, but maybe, maybe they need to look at something doing that, making that crease just a little bit bigger for those goalies to maybe expand out some more. I, well, you're right. I mean, the rink, well, if you're talking that way, the rink should be bigger too because the players are bigger now. They're faster now. There's not yeah. near as much room. Yeah, well, that's for sure. I agree. Right now. <laughs> no, yeah. I know. You but, can't. but that's not happening. Now no, we've got to go out and rebuild our rinks, right? I see what you're saying, but I say that there is next to zero chance that the they would change that now. Um, yeah. I. What they, what they do to try and create offense is by making rule changes, and you're starting to see some rule changes that have come into play over the last number of years trying to create more offense, but I can't see them making the nets bigger. Yeah, Make, making right. the equipment smaller is another thing they've tried yes. with goaltenders, but I don't see them making the nets bigger. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Interesting question. I, I, I remember a few years ago there was that uh, one model of the net, the post bowed out, so they didn't just... I mean, the one model, I think, was the posts would now be part of the net, right? So the the net would be the same size plus where the posts and crossbar currently are, yeah. right? So, And then there was the other one where the net got a little wider as it went up from the ice and then got to the widest point and then came back into the crossbar. The, the goalies' union will not allow anything like that yeah, ever to happen. It's an interesting question because... I think when we talk about rule changes in sports, the uh, the first reaction for most people is, well, wait, no way, no way. But I mean, there have been. Oh, there's been. And I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't think they'll change the size of the nets. And I don't really know if they if they need to. I, I agree about the goalie equipment, mm-hmm. and we're probably past the stupidest point, you know, <laughs> where guys had shoulder pads that were even with the top of their head, yes. almost. Um, they had the but cheaters. But I, mean, I, I always stuff. say. Uh, I know this was a long time ago now. I think it was, what, 83 or something like that? I mean, the the three-point line in basketball. I mean, I'm sure there would have been traditionalists who said, well, no, if you score a basket, it's it's two points. But they realized they had to open it up, uh, well, I agree. You know, get everybody out of the key, and, and make hey, it a little... I'm not against them making the nets bigger. I'm just saying I don't believe that'll ever happen in, in my lifetime, or at least as long as I'm working here doing Oiler games. I just don't see it happening. Um there would be a lot of pushback from all the players wearing big goalie pads. Yeah, but I think you're right. I mean, they, they've tried to make rule changes. They've tried to call more obstruction or limit the obstruction. Even the thing about the the puck over the glass, if that's a few, I mean, around the league, I'm sure that's... It's worth a few goals. Be a few goals because yeah. it'd be certainly dozens of more power plays a year yep. around well, the league over the course of the year. And w- w- I mean, we've seen... I mean, Lagesson got it two games in a row for shooting it over the glass. Well, and there's happen. times where you're on a, on a when you're already shorthanded, you try to clear it, but now also it's a five on three, which yeah. is a good or, chance. It's or years ago, a player might have just said, "Okay, I'm just going to hammer it." Yeah. And if I hit the top of the glass, it's cleared. Oh, and if I put it over into the crowd, well, at least it's a, well, a face off. When I when I played, because I played before the rule came in, for most of my career, you would shoot it out intentionally. If, if right? you you're dead tired, I'm just flipping <laughs> it over over now. Then they put a rule and said you weren't allowed to do it intentionally, but it's hard for a referee to you make read that your call mind unless you're scooping the puck. Well, and I've seen people do that too, and it was pretty obvious pick that the refs did call it. those. That's the one thing I've never understood is how many times you see during the course of year where a player will pick the puck up and will throw it. Like, it is so obvious. 
And I and I bet you we see it about three or four times a year where you'll see a player pick. I'm like, okay, seriously. Come on, grow up. You can't do that. Well, like, who's not going to see that? There's four refs on the ice. Who's not going to see you <laughs> grabbing the puck? Like, everyone's eyes are on the guy with the puck. Uh, just uh, Well, maybe if he's thinking he's saving a breakaway or two-on-one. Yeah, but it's never that, though. It's like <laughs> I, there's some guy that's tired and wants to get the puck over the blue line. I'm like, all right, that guy deserves four minutes, two for doing, closing his hand and two for being dumb. Six straight losses for the Oilers, losing 5-1 to Toronto tonight. We will go to Cam on the open line. Good evening, Cam. Go ahead. Hey, Ken. Hey, you guys. How's it going tonight? Yeah, good. Thank you for calling. Good. I just was wondering, uh, hypothetically, if the Oilers kind of keep losing a little bit and uh, they get a new coach, what could the coach do to make this team better? I don't think there'll be a new coach coming in here. Okay, but hy- hypothetically, and yeah, I do think it's highly un- unlikely there'd be a coaching change, but I mean, is there anything system-wise, structure-wise, tempo of play-wise, Rob, that you see that could drastically be changed whether it would work or not something different that could be tried um no i i I don't i think execution is the biggest problem for those the others are not a great five on five team but is that uh structure or is that uh your roster i mean this has been a problem all the all the problems that the others have this year more or less are the same problems they had under ken hitchcock that they had under todd mcclellan so it, it, the coach keeps coming in, and they keep putting in these same, same more or less systems, or different systems, sorry, different systems, yet it's the same issues. They're not getting anything from their bottom six. Uh, five on five, they're average at best. They give up too many scoring chances. They, the big mistakes are the ones that are killing them. Um, there is always a bump whenever a team, ta- a new coach comes in, and you see that's happening in Vancouver right now just because the energy level goes up because players are trying to impress so i think that there might be a bump that ways but there i do not believe there will be a coaching change this year all right oilers fall uh, 5-1 to the maple leafs we got uh, more of you guys on hold so hang around there we'll bring you in fogel and sevier also spoke down into the hall of fame room so we'll get to that tape it's heartland ford overtime open line we're back after the news folks Get it up and out. Sevier comes in over the line. He can drop it to Cassian. He'll put it in front of the net to Sevier. Scores! Colton Sevier finds a loose puck at the side of the net. He gets the Oilers on the board. Well, that's all the offense for the Oilers tonight. Colton Sevier. They lose 5-1 to the Leafs. Whenever the Oilers do score five or more in a game, which they were doing routinely earlier, and now it seems impossible, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Try the legendary Wagyu steak. Cook before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. Five goals in a game. How about six goals on this entire homestand so far? Five games in. One more to go. Yeah, uh, it is kind of shocking when you think about how the others were scoring at will, how their power play was unstoppable. Um, Connor and Leon, it looked like it was an automatic two points each night from them. So you only had to, uh, you know, you could give up two and you were guaranteed a victory. But the one thing about the NHL nowadays is all teams use video. And they find out very quickly what works and doesn't work against the opposition. And I'm sure every time a team comes in against Edmonton, they look at tendencies. Okay, what can we do to slow these people down? We're not going to stop. Connor and Leon, but how can we slow them down a bit to give ourselves a chance? And the biggest thing that I've noticed over this last stretch is, and it helps when you get the lead, but teams are just clogging up the neutral zone and they're not trading chances. They're not risking anything. There's no risk reward going on by the opposition. They're playing it safe. I could probably jump in. It might turn this into an odd man break our way, but if it doesn't work out they're coming back odd man against us so connor's on the ice leon's on the ice we're not going to do that let's stay back and stay pat and that's the only way i, be- I believe you can play the beat the others or, or stay in a game against the others if you start trading chances you play into the other strength if you start playing a much more structured disciplined uh quiet game a low event game it it certainly helps your chances against a high-powered offense all right back to the certainty hotline we have kevin standing by kevin thanks for listening thanks for calling what's going on Hey, guys, how you doing? Love your show. Uh, just uh, throwing something out there, guys, that uh, I've been thinking for about a month now. 
Mark Andre Fleury in uh, Chicago makes about seven million a year, and Koskinen makes four point five. Yep. So, I, I, I'm like I've been saying this for a month now. Why would the Oilers not make the deal for Fleury? I.e., like what, look what happened in Vancouver here in the last week. Yep. And make that deal to uh, bring Fleury into the dressing room to okay, make. Okay, that's a good great, question. Great idea. Fleury would be awesome. Any probably. 25 teams in the NHL want Flurry. What do the Oilers give the Chicago Blackhawks to get Flurry? Plus, the Chicago Blackhawks have got to take seven million dollars back in salary. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Okay. What do you think, Kevin? Okay, thank you guys. So my no, no, thing Kevin, is, no, no, Kevin, I, Kevin, we're not picking on you. What, no, I, what I, actually I, do you think? What would you give back? How, how do you, how do the Oilers get Flurry? Oh, okay, so what I would do is I give Koskinen back. Well, so okay, do, do they no, want Koskinen? Let him, let him finish. Okay. Let him finish. Okay, thanks, guys. So that would save, uh, and you know more than I do, but that would save uh, Chicago $2.5 million for the rest of the year. They're both UFAs in contract. And at the same time, I would give up draft picks in order to make that trade. Well, you're going to have to give up a lot because they wouldn't want Koskinen. Because, yeah, you you would have to, they, they would take Koskinen to help you out with the cap hit. And they might even have to retain a little bit. And then if you're saying to Chicago, well, you're giving us a goalie we want and a goalie you don't want, then yes, then you're giving up draft picks. Or, I mean, if you're Chicago, you're going to you want start a lot high. more. Yes. So you start with Broberg or Holloway. Okay, so my question to you guys, which you know more than I do, uh, so you're looking at a 7 to a 4.5 to end the season, right? So what would it take? Do you guys, th- you telling me it would take a Broberg to make that deal? Oh, it's well, something valuable to because, Chicago. Because yeah. they're not going to take Koskinen. For, I mean, Kos- forget about Koskinen because that's, that's nothing. That's them doing you a favor. Absolutely. So you're going to have, so what are you going to get for, for Flurry? Like you're, you're, you, we're giving you a number one goalie, the guy that won the Vezina last year. This guy is probably going to start, if the Olympics go with, with the hockey team, he might be the starter for Team Canada. Yeah, I guess, like, I, 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 this is a good suggestion, Kevin, and we've talked about Marc-Andre Fleur before. I guess what I would ask you is, pretend you're the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks, and under what terms do you make the deal then? You know what I mean? Yeah. So who would you want from the Oilers then? Okay, so you know what? This is why I love you guys and I love your show. So I'm saying that UFA at the end of the year, they're both gone. I'm saving you $2.5 million, and they're both UFAs. Are you telling me it's going to cost a Broberg? Oh, it's going to cost you a lot. They they don't care about the money. Because here's the thing. The Oilers are also up against the cap, so they might have to ask Chicago in that situation to retain a couple million dollars, right? So, right. Okay. So that's why, that's why Chicago would say, okay, great, we're going to take a goalie that that you don't want and and we don't want to help you out to get Flurry. So you have to help. I mean, maybe the I mean they might the Oilers could trade the first rounder. They, they, I I don't think you could trade Broberg and Koskinen and get Flurry. It's going to take really? more than that. And. The the others right now they're waiting to see what they get out of Mike Smith. Well, that's true. Before so they do anything, they're not going to yes. do it. They're not going to look at another goaltender until they see what they get with Mike Smith. If they can get Mike Smith healthy, playing like he did last year, the Oilers are not going to trade for a goaltender because they're not going to okay. trade for someone to be a backup to Mike Smith. If yeah. Mike Smith comes back and is not the goalie that he was, if injuries continue to plague Mike Smith then absolutely the Oilers are going to certainly look at other options. I do not believe that the Oilers want to go into the playoffs with Koskinen and Skinner. So, I agree with that totally, and that's why I brought that up, guys. Yeah, you're, you're, it's, sure. great, it's a great – and there's the thing is, Flurry again, Flurry's the Vezina Trophy, reigning Vezina Trophy winner, who's really turned his game around in Chicago. Like, he did not start well in Chicago. He's playing great for them right now. There are other teams that will be interested in Flurry, so you're not getting him for nothing. You're not getting him by for taking a Koskinen. The the Oilers, you would have to really sweeten the pot. But none of this is going to happen until what they see from Smith, and it's not what they see from Smith if he comes back next game, next game, or next week. They're going to allow Smith to get find his game again because he's been off for a couple of months. 
but they believed coming into the season that Smith and Koskinen were good enough to make a playoff run. And I don't think they've changed that based on Smith being injured. They have to see what he's capable of playing when he comes back from the injury. Canucks now leading the Blue Jackets 4-3 with 35 seconds left on the Edmonton Trailers scoreboard. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Kraken lead the Sharks 2-0 late in the third. Well, that's like a that's like an action film. Kraken <laughs> versus Sharks. I'd pay to see that. Golden Knight beats uh, Golden Knights beat the Bruins 4-1. Lightning over the Kings 3-2 in overtime. Senators pound the Panthers 8-2. Flyers rip up the Devils 6-1. Penguins down the Canadians 5-2. Red Wings over the Islanders 2-1. Oh, I'm regretting that Stanley Cup pick a lot. Sabres <laughs> dump the Jets 4-2. It's the Blues winning 4-1 against the Stars. Avs take down the Rangers. 4-2, and of course, right here at Rogers Place, 5-1 Leafs over the Oilers. Back in a couple of minutes, Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Okay, 5-1, the Leafs win over the Oilers. Matthews scores twice. Campbell, excellent in net. He makes 35 saves. Colton Sevier with the only goal for Edmonton. Oilers have lost six straight. Oh, my goodness. And they're 16-11. and 11. On the season. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Eight Wait. stories above the ice. No, it's, Are we it, the only ones here? Uh, yeah, it is kind of eerie some nights when we oh. walk out of here. No, I do. I do. They're still partying in one of those suites over there. No, they aren't. Where? Yeah, straight across over there. Oh, there are people over there. Yeah, they hey, we're waving to you. <laughs> Hello. Um... Yeah, I don't think those people are going to drive us home tonight. Uh, you know, no, you gotta go, we got to go to our cars, <laughs> yeah. which are probably snowed. Well, I think it stopped snowing. I hope so. It's so cold out, though, walking out at the end of the night. Watching the Vancouver Canucks come back and win tonight, and you just think how it, what a difference 10 days make. The Vancouver Canucks have picked up 8 points, or is it 10 points now, on the Edmonton Oilers over the last 10 days. And this is what this Edmonton Oilers losing streak has done it's put in it's allowed a lot of teams that you would have thought were you know dead and gone it's november it's the american thanksgiving teams that are in at that point are always going to make it but teams that were had fallen out of the race now are suddenly there's belief and the oilers who at one point best team in percentage wise in the national hockey league i think they have the second wild card spot this stretch. Yeah, if the Sharks beat the Kraken, the Oilers actually would be pushed out of a playoff spot, but Seattle's up 2 nothing late. Well, the Kraken is always tougher than a Shark, so you know that's, <laughs> that's going to happen. If, 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 if mythology has taught Rob Brown anything... <laughs> Put your money on the Kraken. <laughs> he, he saw Clash of the Titans. I did. Or was it, was it Wrath of the Titans that had the Kraken? I don't know. James probably knows. James, what's going on? Thanks for calling. Hey, James. Hello? Yeah, go hey ahead. There. How's, how's it going tonight? Good. Kraken versus Shark. Who wins that in real life? Um, I'll have to go with uh, I'll go. I'll have to go with uh, the Kraken as well. Fair Absolutely. Enough. All right. What's and, your... and they make a better rum. <laughs> <laughs> you <Yeah>. bet. <laughs> okay. What's up, man? Um, I don't know. I just first of all, I just I don't want this to sound like a criticism of McDavid or Drysaddle because we're so fortunate to have them. But at what point do we stop panicking and throwing them together? Like tonight, the first two lines were humming along, tilting the ice, owning the shot share, the chance share. And then after that second power play by uh, Toronto, they reunite them a quick goal against, and then there's another quick goal against after the first goal. I mean, not only after they reunited it, did they allow the goals against, they get generated nothing. The Fogel, when once Fogel moved to the second line, that line generated nothing as well. Yeah, How many years question. is this going to happen? I, yeah, I, I don't know if they needed to... Well, juggle things. I mean, I know they were behind. Two, like, what was it? Well, it was, yeah. it was three nothing. Uh, yeah. It, it, well, I mean, for years it seems like that the bottom six is constantly struggling to gain any kind of traction. And could we almost be at the point where the fact that we rely on that so much that it's just starting to impact overall team chemistry well, and, you know, and showing panic every time we reunite them that everyone just kind of like, oh no, we now we got to rely on them to bring us back. You know, that's a really good point. And it's yeah. funny, I talked to a, a friend of mine today who's a coach and brought up almost the exact same thing where he said that if everybody right now is all down on the bottom six players mm -hmm. and it's been it's been talked about over and over and over again but at what point are the bottom six players put in positions to succeed i mean they're, they're getting five six minutes a night if you're on the fourth line uh if things 
if the team doesn't win, it's always the bottom six guys that are rotated in and out of the lineup when we all know that, you know, usually they are not the reason the Oilers win or lose. Uh, when your top players are playing 25, 26 minutes a night and you're sitting there, when you're at bottom, when you're on the fourth line, and this is, and I've, I've been there. I know what it's like. You sit there. You've waited for five and a half minutes. It's your turn to come up. You get a power play. All right, so you have to sit there again, wait for your turn to come around. Well, all of a sudden, you're the centerman coming up, and the centerman in front of you doesn't change. He takes an extended shift, so you miss your shift again. And then the very next time, it's your time. It's a penalty, and you don't kill. Now, all of a sudden, you sit for 12 minutes. And it is tough and to keep your mind in the game keep uh, at some time you, you just become a cheerleader instead of a part of the team now i'm not saying that's the case here but yes there is a thing with chemistry with uh, players all being given a, a firm role and being believed in and i think that right now the bottom six there is a complete lack of confidence with that group and it comes from what they're reading, what they're hearing about them, and the fact that, uh, in all honesty, they don't play a whole lot. And anytime yeah. the game gets dicey, they're the first ones to, to sit on the bench and you're sitting there cheering for your teammates to go. You know, I, I want to bring something up that a, a former player told me. It was either, I can't remember if it was during last season or, or shortly after the Oilers were eliminated. And look, I... McDavid and Drysdale are going to play a lot. Like somebody messaged me the other day on my show and said, you know, Tip's going to cut their ice time back. Well, the last four years, they've been playing around 21 and a half minutes a game, give or take. The coach that actually used them the most was Hitch. <laughs> uh, you know, so, but the, the sex player said to me, you know, those guys are great players, but you have guys who are checkers mm -hmm. and, and take pride in it. Yep. And you're protecting a one or two goal lead last season who was usually out on the ice Archibald okay fair yep. enough and but, David and Dry yes. so if you're uh, you know who would be in that role this Devin, year Devin Shore. Devin Shore Derek Ryan this yep. year I mean Shore was on the team last year and you're thinking okay great the Stars have probably done their work to get us a 4-2 or a 3-2 lead now it's 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 my turn to go out in the na last 90 seconds mm -hmm. win a face-off win a wall battle force the puck down the ice and do my 40 seconds and, and change and then yep. my, my, my buddy comes on and maybe gets the empty netter you know instead like that's that's the one thing I've sort of thought about because then if, if you're that that role player that you you know you, you, you might not score you might only play 12 minutes a game and you got to block shots and kill penalties but you're thinking okay I know in the last three minutes I might get two really important shifts to grind the clock down and then you're not getting those isn't it kind of like well wait a minute who, yeah. who am I then you're absolutely right and that's the putting them in a chance to succeed and the belief in them and that's uh, they're they're there for a reason and it like you said is a checking role they take pride in that if they're a penalty killer, if there's a fourth fourth line late in a hockey game, face off in your own end, okay, we're going to put you out there. Be willing to put your face in front of a shot. And they are willing to do that. But they're not given that opportunity. So, yes, I do believe what that caller just asked is everything he said was absolutely true. And when things don't go right, you start wondering, uh, if is there another way that you can approach with how you implement players in different situations. And again, I mean, it's another example is the Oilers' power play. Uh, they only have one power play. Sure. And they just they just switch yeah. out Nurse and Barrett. Yeah. But uh, at what point, like, you're sitting on the bench, and I used to love this when I was in Pittsburgh, and, okay, Brownie, you got Yeggs. I'm like, okay, I'll just <laughs> sit here. You're going to get the last, All three, right. last three seconds of the power oh, there play. Oh, there were changes. times, though, that Yeggs, you should have heard what the coach said about you. He's mad. That's it. And he'd sit on the bench. He'd get mad. he put his gloves there and his stick there, and i get to go on the power play because he's mad at the coach. But seriously, like, it's one of those ones. Okay, you got Connor, and uh, you got Leon, and you look at your buddy, and, like, you give him a wink. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably not going to happen. But you, you – and, and the other thing that when it comes to this, too – over the course of the season, if players aren't put in a position to see if they can have success, if you run into an injury to a Leon, to a Connor, to a Nugent Hopkins, something like that come playoff time, who do you know that can fill that spot? Because all year long, they weren't put in those positions to have success. So, I mean, I remember playing for Hitch in junior, and my last year junior, I had 212 points, and we had a power play in a game, and he didn't put me out there. I'm like, hey, uh, seriously? He goes, what if you get hurt in the playoffs? I don't know what Billy can do. 
And I, you're not happy, but you're like, okay, it makes sense. You're not going to admit it to Hitch that it made sense, but it did. Yeah, well, think how happy Billy was. Saying oh, he's Billy was he's really, Rob Brown's yeah, replacement. Yeah, but Billy, he fell down. He didn't even get a shot on net. No, just kidding. But well, no, that's. But it is true. You you have to prepare for. Yeah, that. If you have role players, let them let them play their role. their role. And if you know if they fail in that role, well, then, then okay, fair enough. But yeah, exactly. So okay, we just put you in that position. You didn't get it done. So now we know we need someone different in that position. Okay, Oilers lose five one to the Leafs. We'll go to the Certainty Hotline one more time and bring Brent onto the show. Hey, Brent, thanks for calling. How's it going, guys? Not bad. Uh, my question was, how long has uh, Justin Schwartz been our goaltender coach? Ooh, it's been oh, a while quite now. Quite a while now, probably yeah. six, seven years. Seven or eight years, probably, yeah. yeah you replaced uh, Freddie Shabbat. Yeah, so my, my point kind of is uh, Evan Dubik left here as a, as, a, as a project. Cam Talbot came in here as a Certified goaltender. No, he no. He was let's, a backup let's, not, goalie. let's not do revisionist history. He'd been a backup goalie with the Rangers, but he had potential, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Potential. And, he, and he had he was really good for a couple of years. Oh, he was don't fantastic. For, don't, don't forget either. Doing pretty good now. I just wonder if I know we've gone through a couple of coaches, uh, and I've heard good things about Dustin. Not saying that, but it seems like our goaltenders always let those shots in and do they need a different view from a goaltender coach see what? at this point you, you talk to the goalie coach or you talk to the goalies and the goalies will tell you if they like the goalie coach or if they don't um i've only heard good things about schwartzy uh i i don't think uh, I, I mean what's happening right now with the oilers is i don't think it's on schwartzy mike smith had one of the best years ever and it was the best year ever for a goalie his age. So that was last year with the same goalie coach. So uh, I I don't know. I don't put the blame on on Schwartz in this situation. But I do know that at the end of every season, if the team hasn't had success, ownership will look over and say, all right, what do we need to do? They'll look to the GM, and the GM will go through everything, including coaches, assistant coaches, goalie coaches, and players. Everyone is evaluated when things don't go the way they want. And uh, Dubnik, uh, his goalie coach was Freddie Shabbat, by the way. Dubnik was, was traded by the time Schwartz became the uh, goalie coach, just to clarify that uh, that timeline there. Okay, we'll take a quick timeout, and then you'll hear from uh, Colton Sevier and Warren Fogle as the Oilers lose 5-1. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. And Seattle does get a 3-1 win over the San Jose Sharks tonight here at Rogers Place. The Oilers lose again, six in a row. They fall 5-1 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Here are Colton Sevier and Warren Fogle. Sorry, Warren. Uh, you're probably a good example of a guy who had a whole bunch of chances to score, just like your team did, and none of them went in. Uh, how do you assess? I think you just said it there. A lot of good chances and none went in. So... What is as a team? What do you do to get over this? Like you guys are scoring many goals, and I know you're trying a lot of things. Anything? Any new ideas tonight? Just keep pounding the rock. You know, keep. You know, there's no. We're not going to quit. You know, like we got to keep, keep battling every night. Keep playing simple, and you know, keep pounding on that rock. That rock's enough chip. You know, and didn't happen tonight, but you know, we got to keep going. There's, there's no easy way to get out of this, and the only way to, to get out of it is, you know, believe in uh, each other, support each other, and, and, and keep pounding away. How you going? Um, Cole, you've played over 500 games. I don't know if you've been in stretches like this or not, but when, when the whole team is, is struggling offensively, like Leon misses a wide open net, which normally he'd probably, like, he scores from the, ret from the goal line sometimes, and kind of maybe illustrates where the team is at how do you get out of you have to do something different you have to go outside your comfort zone as a group uh, I mean yes and no you don't want to get out of it and change your game and try and do something you know that's not that's not there and you know force mistakes that way but yeah I mean I think the most frustrating part about the whole thing is if you look at the last uh, three or four games I think you know we played in stretches, I think, better than the teams we played against and just 
when we gave up opportunities, we just gave up, you know, great A, A pluses. And I think that's probably the thing we need to get out of our game the most. You know, some of those chances we're giving up are just, you can't afford to give them up against, you know, good players in the NHL because they're going to go end up in the back of your net. And that's, that's what's happening right now. You know, I think we're creating enough to win, maybe try and find a way to, you know, win the game one nothing here because it seems like, you know, we just can't seem to get that goal when we need it. We're just, you know, like you said, guys missing open nets that can pick a corner from anywhere. It's just, it seems to be one of those stretches. I think once, once they start going, they'll start rolling, and we just need to try and, you know, get to that point. Ward, when you, you see your team giving up those, you know, you don't give up anything, and then, boom, it's a grade-A chance. Is that just a commitment level that's got to improve? Attention to detail, what has to change? Because that's kind of been a, a little bit of an issue all year long. Yeah, you know, the cut... We just can't be uh, can't be doing that. Um, kind of what Cesar said here. We we, uh, we get good momentum in the game, and then we make one error, one major error, and then it's in the back of our net. So you know, we just got to tighten up and you know be committed as a group to play uh, play tighter in the D zone. Hi, uh, Colton. Um, today's first period was a coin toss, and you guys were out shooting them eight nothing in the second, and and you look up and it's it's two nothing. Do you kind of just and I look skyward and wonder if, if you're cursed because you seem to be doing a lot of the things that should get you in a position to be leading, and it's not there. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the most frustrating part. I think if it was the other way, you know, if we were getting outshot 8 nothing and, and that, and it was 1-2-0, you'd be like, okay, it makes sense. When you look up and it's, you know, the, you could say the, you know, the game of the first two periods, or at least the first half, was probably in our favor. If you look at, you know, look at the score, you just get chances, but we're down 2 nothing, and that's... You know, it seems to be the way it is right now. Even when we're playing well, we end up, you know, giving up a goal and end up being down. And you can't can't play from behind, especially, you know, multiple goals against good teams, any team for that matter. So it's obviously a little frustrating. It's one of those it's one of those stretches that I don't I don't remember being in in pro hockey. It's been just seems that snake bitten. You know, at some point, you know, we're going to get out of this, and the only way to do it is by by working and playing the right way and. We're not going to get out of it by trying to play running gun hockey and try and win 6-5. That's not going to work. You know, we need to, get, need to get back to back to work tomorrow and find a way to, you know, scratch and claw and, and get a win and, and build from there. How do you walk that line emotionally between saying, you know, maybe we're not that far away, but at the same time it's it's 0-6 and, and, and the, the water is up to the neck now? Yeah, obviously that's uh, that's the hard part, right? It's, you know, you kind of, you know, I'd say you don't think about it, but you do. It's human nature and you know I think as a group we got to be you know we got to be pros we've played a lot of guys and I've played a lot of hockey but we got to understand that you know things will come and go and we got to get you know, once we get out of it you know we'll get on a roll here and we'll be we'll be laughing about this stretch at a later day and you know we, you know we found something out of it when that happens it'll be good but we need to get we need to start that ball rolling uh, Colton I'll just ask uh, what did you think of, of the jersey being tossed on the ice in the last uh, couple minutes there of the game did you see that? Uh, Colton. Uh, I didn't. I actually didn't see that. I mean, it's unfortunate. Obviously, fans are frustrated. You know, it's not like we're in the room laughing and knocking it up. We're, we're, we're frustrated too. And, you know, we're going to get out of it. And, and then maybe that fan will have to buy a new jersey. Colton Sevier and Warren Fogle speaking after the Oilers' 5-1 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Get more on the game on Global News .ca or 630ched.com. Dave Tippett going into COVID protocol, so he won't be on the Oilers bench for probably about the next week and a half. The Oilers close out this six-game homestand and try to snap their six-game losing streak on Thursday. 5.30 face-off show here on 630ched. Game at 7 against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who were beaten 4-3 tonight in Vancouver. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Craig McTavish and Kelly Rudy will be a couple of my guests. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer inside Rogers Place, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, back at 6.30, Chet. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, you've been listening to Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. Leafs 5, Oilers 1 is your final. Have a good night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.